0: Welcome back to Engage Culture, where we introduce gospel realities in the cultural conversation. And today, it's the first interview on Zoom with my good buddy, Michael Pope. Michael Pope is the student ministry Chi Alpha director of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I had an incredible time. I met him overseas in uh, Central Asia, and we just had incredible conversations. He's very intelligent, loves to basically bring cultural ideas and concepts and take the gospel and put it on top or kind of have the flip ideas upside down to have the gospel at the center. And so everybody please welcome Michael Pope to the show. What? <laughs> just Dude, you're the man, bro. <laughs> Uh, i'm so excited to have you i should have had one of those um
1: things where you click the buttons and it has all the crowd <laughs> the effects sound. like yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. maybe i should Noted. get one of those dude i mean i like it bro so i was just incredibly blessed by you woody and daniel and just the whole crew there um it's exciting to see Different kind of moves of God happening in different locations all across the world and it's really I was really Encouraged to meet someone that kind of has a similar mind as me that wants to ask questions and dive deeper into subjects and kind of look at What's happening around us and say okay? Maybe how can we solve certain problems? But really what should we be dedicating our time to what should we be thinking about and so I? Um, you kind of love a plethora of different topics so we're just going to kind of break down different things and and talk all through it but why don't you start off by talking about chad and what's happening there um what was the journey like for you to move over and become the the director there at the chi alpha at that university i was
1: it was pretty sick actually i know a lot of people that when they go to pioneer place they their experience is not quite as sexy i guess or easy or i don't know and um so basically what happened was i was rock climbing with a guy and trying to kind of walk with him and me and my one of my best friends was also doing that walking with him and as i was climbing uh, there's a guy who's the Tennessee tech director, Thomas Fancher. His brother was at the gym we were at and basically started a conversation. I text Tom said, I saw your brother. And he said, I, it brought up Chattanooga in my mind. Cause like a year before or like a three fourths of a year before UTC got brought up, which Chattanooga, I didn't know if it had a thousand people or a hundred thousand people or what kind of city it was. I had not heard of it. And but it got brought up in my mind cause it was Tennessee and I texted Tom. I said, Hey, how far is chat from Tennessee tech? At the time I was in little rock, Arkansas. Mm. And, um, he said, are you looking to come? Why do you want to know? Are you looking to come take over Tennessee with us? And I was like, I knew when he says that, like he understood like discipleship. So I, like I know that he's not just throwing that around, like he means take it over. And so my heart started to really stir, mm. which was surprising. And I was like, no, I'm not trying to do all that. And we hung out, I, whatever we stopped, we were texting. So we stopped texting, I guess. And, and uh, the next, that night I talked to Lex about it. I was like, well, what do we, what would you think about if like we pioneered somewhere? And um, she was like, yeah, she was down for it. But I wasn't like, I had a whole bunch of issues myself at the time and that I was debating through like money and future and things. Cause I was just coming out of a season of I guess depression. What I probably would have found out later. Um,
0: and wait, so you're telling me you were depressed and a Christian? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but as a good Christian, I wouldn't have admitted it. I'm
1: just joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I didn't. I really didn't know if what, what to call it. Honestly, yeah. all I would have been able to say is, uh, I feel some type of way. I try to escape that feeling with different release valves at the time it was dog training and trying to get my, trying to start hunting and, uh, just different things. And the, that sort of cloud never moved. Mm. Um, and I literally cried out to the Lord a lot of times. And again, I wouldn't have called it depression. I just didn't know. And, uh, so we go a couple months and then eventually, so this is right before I meet I meet Tom's brother. Uh, I basically had this moment where I repented before the Lord. And basically I was joking around and Lex wanted to tell me something about how well she did with ministry. Like not how well she did, but like some fruit God was producing. And I like was drained and I didn't want to hear it. Mm. And I was like, why do I not want to hear a testimony about what my wife is doing for God and what God's doing in the girls? And God says to me, again, months of crying out. He says to me, if you don't tell her, this isn't gonna stop. And I was like, tell her freaking what? Like, I've been asking you for months. I don't know what this is. And says, if you don't tell her, it's not gonna stop. So I just kind of committed to talk to it to say something. I like literally was like, I'm just opening my mouth. And immediately when I went to talk, I knew God told me that on our honeymoon, I swallowed a spiritual seed that God was the provider but money paid the bills Ooh. and what was happening was since we did it ministry together, we had the same salary or whatever. Mm. And at the time we had school debt and credit card debt. Cause I was an idiot and well not an idiot. I mean, I was not smart, but I didn't know, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, and, I just was trying to get out of that. Like I wanted her to hate ministry so that she'd go be a masseuse or something and just have a second income. And so I was, I found I was cursing her in my heart. Mm. Like I didn't want her to do well because she was doing the internship at the time. And I wanted her to decide she didn't like it. Just horrible. But I basically was crying and I told her and then God, I'm telling you first John one walk in the light and he basically, he releases you. And I walked in the light and it restored fellowship with me and with God God and with her. And I'm telling you from that moment, everything legitimately changed. It doesn't always go that way, but it did that time. And it was two two weeks later that this happened, the rock climbing. So it was like quite a like. Yeah. And so anyways, the next morning I wake up after the conversation with Lexa about going to Chattanooga. And literally it goes like this. This is not exaggerating. I wake up, first thought that hits my head, what is Chattanooga? Mm. So like any good millennial, I go grab Pinterest and I off the side of my bed and I start looking because I wanted good pictures. So I look and like four or five pictures down, there was a thing called Lookout Mountain, which basically from it, you can see seven states is the thing. And I saw that picture God just spoke to me. He said, I want to take over all seven of these States Mm -hmm. and I want to use UTC to do it. Mm -hmm. And it was like electric through my soul, dude. Like, yeah, it just, that moment changed me and I understood. And, um, so basically I was like, that's a big decision. I know it's 10 year commitment. Like I'm going to take a quarter of a step. Uh, without explaining all the details basically that day i was like hey cody the guy who discipled me and was the director of the ministry we were at what if i went somewhere it's a pioneer and he goes god just told me like a month ago that you would be leaving and i was like oh god like why i thought i took a quarter step now i feel like i'm 10 steps in and basically it progressed and by may we had gone and we'd gone to the, to Nebraska, the Huskers, the corn Huskers mm. to, to see that one. Cause it, we were advised to have looked at two, just to be able to have said no to one, to feel the concreteness of UTC. Mm. So, thank you carp. And, uh, so then we, we go to UTC and then we begin the journey of going. Um, and, uh, basically two years ago we got here and we started to support raise for a whole year. Um, a lot of traveling, a lot of that stuff, preparing for a team. And then uh, literally two days before the one-year mark, we asked God that after one year that we'd be done support raising. Our team got here, Mm. and we basically started to – so that was a year ago, a year and a half now. We just started building. So that was sort of the process to get here, if you want more like what it was like. But that's like –
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's crazy, dude. I, so I've kind of, the only thing that I've really pioneered is like my own personal media stuff, Mm -hmm. Um, but with everything that's happening in, in A&M right now, it's been like, the Lord has been showing me so much of like, hey, it is amazing to like, to be a part of a family that moves as a unit that has Mm -hmm. like a deeper, bigger vision than you know, like a podcast, you know, kid. Yeah. And so what has been like the struggles of pioneering and feeling like, oh, well, I'm in charge. You know, I am, I am mm. the, <laughs> I'm, <am, laughs> you know, whatever the, the yeah, director. Whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is, yeah. what, what has that wrestling been like with God? Um, well, I, I,
1: I can, I'll give you some of the thoughts that come to my mind. Um, The first thought was that during the support raising process and the traveling part, as our team was coming, uh, like any, I guess, good director was thinking like, okay, well, what do we want the culture to be? You know? (laughs) Uh, Sorry. And also every time I look to my right, I should admit that I'm looking at myself. So uh, (laughs) I'm going to work on looking. Oh, look (laughs) over here. So I'm exposed now. Every time I look, you'll see how. Self-absorbed, that might be. <laughs> um, uh, so, I, so, we're anyways, gonna like we're good, gonna get into that. Just, just like, so a, you know. like a good like a good okay perfect like like a good director. I was thinking, what do I want the culture to be? Mm. And um, the thing that God said to me was, "Who, whatever you are, will be the culture." Mm. And so, stop trying to create something because it'll be fabricated and it'll bust. Whatever you are, will be the culture and that helped to stop my thinking um so that was one thing so i stopped doing that and i started focusing on who i was becoming mm. um then dude all the theories i had because i mean of course i'm dreaming up like what i think this is going to be like yeah this, i'm telling you dude the second they stepped off the budget truck to to like the Daniel, Woody, and their wives, the second they stepped off, bro, I felt something shift in me that was like, it was like, forget everything you theorized. And I was like, I felt it. And I was like, I'm nervous. I don't know. Like, like these people just committed five years. These are like grown people who are high caliber people who could be doing something else. And they chose to come here. And I, was now just hoping to give them an experience worth giving their five years to. Mm. And uh, and then that they quickly were just so honoring of me and, and of Lexa, and of course Lexa's got her own processes, that's my wife, um, that she's going through as a co-director, you know? Like we're both directing the thing, and um, I'm just like yeah. thinking about all this stuff and they honor me and then they basically tell me we're here to do this mission with you. Stop worrying about how we feel or whatever. And that like was helpful. And so I began to like focus on who we were becoming because I recognized the thing that God had told us. So we spent that whole year. And um, some of the hardest parts, dude, and some of the things that God's spoken to me is that I'm not actually the director of this ministry, Mm. but that that I'm the first follower of the ministry. And that is so relieving um, because I just need to, do the thing that is valuable and people will see the value that it has and they will want to follow Jesus like I'm following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that is my consistent rock or my consistent home that like when anything else is up in the air, I just try to be the first to repent, try to be the first to love humiliation, try to be the first to risk something or try to be the first to make the right decisions and to look to him and i'm i'm now to the point though that i'm not the first all the time like our staff is incredible and then also our students are incredible so that like multiples of our students their walk with god right now is just like just like wrecking me and is like saying pick it up mike and uh and so that's a big thing and Uh, There's been a couple scenarios like with COVID where there was a time to make a decision Mm -hmm. and it didn't matter. God's the the director and I'm the first follower. Well, it's time for Michael to make a decision. Like (laughs) whatever the thing is, like I got to make a decision. And it's not a decision without God, but it is still, I am responsible and um, responsible for who I had become up to that point and responsible for, if I had confidence that God would speak to us or protect us, and whatever level of becoming that had happened up to that point was going to affect our students, and if they came to this event or what we did and certain such and suches, and um, so responsibility is a big one that has really transformed me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think the thing that we focus on a lot, and also I can answer more. I just have to think a little bit more. But yeah, yeah. the
0: the
1: one the one thing that characterizes everything for me is I feel like God continuously puts the ball back in my court to see if I still believe what I said a month ago, a year ago, or a day ago, and to act it out again. And that's the hardest part because God sells himself, dude. Like, um, if it worked for me, it'll work for Jared, it'll work for Demarcus, it'll work for Leslie, it'll work for Lexa, you know? So just continually proving to the world around us that it's worth it to be a son of God. Yeah.
0: So while we were overseas, I got to kind of view or see or learn about how you think, how you process things, like what your experience is going through uh, this this church plant, um, pretty, pretty much, I guess that's what it is. And, yeah, I would say. And you kind of, I stumbled across you in this processing moment after we had gotten off of a mountain, and you were just really getting convicted by the Lord, and and being countered by the Holy Spirit, just reality kind of just, oh crap, this is right in front of my face now. And you said something that stuck with me, which was, we're in the middle of the conversation, and you're kind of in this vulnerable place, and you were like, if I was actually smart, I would probably talk less. If I was actually smart, I would probably just have a simple faith. If I was actually smart, like each, I wouldn't probably make as many big plans as I do, you know, just little things like that. And so can you kind of walk through what happened there? Because I think that's fascinating. I think that's a big part that can kind of give us a view of like how, you know, ministry is gonna be different this year at, in Chattanooga versus mm-hmm versus what what it was like before, and because I know for me ministry is gonna be gonna look a lot different uh, because of that experience, because of the Holy Spirit. Like it's it's just gonna be spirit led, and I feel like that's what's happening in the the unified global body right now of the church is like prayer and trust, prayer and trust, like trust the Holy Spirit that the Holy that God wants to speak to people, and He wants to speak to you what to speak to people and you don't have to be something for God to be something you know and so this emptying of ourselves so God may be fully manifest is like going to be what makes the church the church and the church effective and so yeah just take me through that moment because that was dude that was incredible and and I just want to I want to know if if you're not if it's not too vulnerable (laughs) I mean yeah I'll tell you I'll tell you whatever
1: um I just got to remember, as you were saying, I was, like, remembering, like, my brain was slowly locating where I was, and I remember we were in the van. Yes. Um, And, like, (laughs) I'm not trying to be, like, I'm not trying to be, like, I'm going to use this word a lot, probably, but, like, sexy with what I'm saying, but this is how my brain works through these things. There's a quote that says, um, knowledge is accumulated, but wisdom, uh, generation to generation, it's accumulated, but wisdom has to be taught to every generation. Mm. And um, I find that to be really true. And uh, whether I'm right or not, the definitions that I work off of there, like my practical definitions are knowledge is information that you hold. Mm. And wisdom is uh, what you understand and what you understand about how to apply that knowledge in the world effectively, um, and what I was realizing is, I, 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 maybe, I know a lot of information, and I know that from people around me that it seems that they perceive that I know a lot of information, and in the sense that they think I do, and sometimes that feeds me in a potentially negative way. But what I was saying about like, if I was really smart, what I meant was if I was really wise, Mm -hmm. meaning like if I, I might have all this information, but if I really knew how the world worked, I would apply this bit in this certain way. And to one example, this is like a crazy, probably impactful example, but just like a lame example that we, this past year, did worship nights. We didn't have any service. I didn't do any preaching for the whole year. Mm. And, um, the thing that God kept saying was that he was shepherding his people, that he was going to teach his people. Mm. And if I believe that God talked, then why did I feel the need to talk? And, um, not that I'm not saying preaching is bad. I'm just saying at the time, that's what he was saying to me. So prescriptive for Michael that, that day. Yes. So I assumed because it went really well, that I would, as long as I could, never do it. That I was like, well, why are we, why are we going to preach and all this stuff? And you know, if we preach, then it's like center or central focused, and then it starts to centralize things, and it's negative, negative, and it's it becomes more fragile and it becomes yeah. less scalable. True. Right, right, right. Um, and when we got back from Kyrgyzstan, I started to sense and really i had sensed it before kyrgyzstan but it was increasing that it was time to 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 start teaching and to start like which teaching at those worship nights but it was like gonna be 10 minutes or 15 minutes of teaching which is preaching you know like like i'm now being led by the lord to do the thing that i thought i wouldn't do and one of the guys that i walked with this past year um showed me a scripture that says, I don't, I actually don't know why I thought this, it's either in James or it's in Jesus says it. He says, careful you who say you're going to go here on this day or that day and do this thing or that thing, but you don't know what's going to happen, Instead, you know.
0: Instead, say if the Lord wills, I will go here yeah. or there.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, for me, that scripture is less about literally saying, right, if the Lord wills it, but more understanding that it it is what God understands and desires to carry out that really is going to have the fruit yes. like uh maybe colossians or corinthians i think it's colossians says like that you would be filled with the knowledge of god or the under like um that you would bear fruit in every good work mm. um that like it's not useful to do things it's useful to do things that are useful <laughs> and so uh so that's like that's an example yeah. that like the big plans, like, cause you know, it would have been really sexy, right? If in five years that you don't have anyone preaching, but then there's this large amoeba of people who are like following God in this really incredible way. And no one can even locate who the head person is. Right. And like, like that sounds incredible, but that is what was, um, so do you that think, was one thing that
0: was changing. Yeah. Do you think uh, like underlying that there was still some pride Oh, I mean, sure, but, like, for, like,
1: I'm, I am found out so much about myself in the past couple of weeks, to be honest. Like, okay. a, an enormous, cool. some enormous, like, factors.
0: Yeah. But. Seems like but, we're having similar experiences right now. <laughs> yeah, well, and
1: again, I probably, I might actually tell you that every couple weeks. Right. Like, which, is,
0: which is awesome. Um, which I feel like is supposed to be like that.
1: Well, you know? yeah, it would, it would, it would presume that you're a, a everyday learner and that you've got
0: someone teaching you every day. And we have an infinite Which, God. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. We're yeah, it growing says, more like he's 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 making us more like him every day. So he's infinite. But it does say, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so um what was I? Uh, so you're talking about being we're on the mountain in the van. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're so having this is, process. It is, it is.
1: Yeah. Um, so like one of the things I realized was I I genuinely I think I can accurately say this, and there's another quote that basically says, "Whatever I say, just believe that it's seventy percent true, because I'm probably like thirty percent overinflating myself." Um, like that's it's just a funny quote, like because, whatever. So I, I'm I'm thinking that this is accurate. That I don't actually care too much if Michael Pope is the dude who's leading that thing. And that thing's great. Um, I'm sure when people are like, you're doing great, that I'm like, oh, that feels good. But I think what I, I would also equally have enjoyed if the thing itself was substantial enough and I was, my name wasn't known, but I knew that I had a part in participating and creating that. Um, because I think it's been about proving to myself. And mm. so just when you ask about pride, like,
0: I don't. I don't know like yeah. there's a well, lot I of guess, places I guess the question I have for that is like what makes something substantial like actually substantial I'm not just talking about like in the eyes of men but what makes something substantial in the eyes of God like what is a life like what is walking the narrow path as the title of this is like what is a life that's honoring to God is it you know and I'm sure it differs in uh, method it differs in the way it looks but I almost, like, back to that, that moment, it's almost like you kind of came to this realization or we're having this, like, dialogue of it may even be more honoring to God just to disciple that one person and pour everything you have into them than to be concerned about, you know, this big, huge impact on the world, you know. Mm. or. It, that, that the way that we see, like, oh, this, you know, this person was B- a Billy Graham, you know. Th- it could be twice as honoring that this old lady's praying down the street for everybody in her neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Like, what mm-hmm. makes something actually substantial in the eyes of God? Which really is what matters. Because, like Paul says, he's like, I don't even judge myself. Like, I know God, I, I'm, my conscience is clear because I know God is going to judge me at the end and everything will be set into place rightly yeah i mean i guess i would just on the top of my head i would just say
1: what makes things substantial to god is relationship with him Mm. and like and i mean that in the sense that like me to have relationship with him for my actions to come out of a relationship that i have with him for my actions to be actions that lead me into deeper relationship with him for my actions to be actions that lead people into deeper relationship with him. Mm. And I, I mean, whatever the metrics are probably we would only be able to judge retrospectively if they matter. Uh, I don't think anyone probably knows ahead of time if, if they've got the, like, <laughs> it, like to say, I shouldn't, I should disciple just this one person. Yeah. Like, how do you know? Yeah, and like, anyone can say that if they discipled Billy Graham that one time, but like, you don't know that until thirty years from now, yeah. and that doesn't affect you now. And so, the the point though is is this: one time God said to me, I was asking God, "Have I been faithful?" Mm. And He said it's a wrong question, and I was like, "What? That's like the most right question," <laughs> and He's like, "It's the wrong question." Mm the only reason you would want to know is to see if you've done enough. When the only question that really matters is, are you going to be faithful? And that's the, like, and so, and so like that is, that really wrecked me because I didn't get the satisfaction of feeling like I did it, but why would I even want to know that I did it? Am I trying to figure out so I don't have to do it again? Or am I trying to figure out because I'm afraid that I didn't do it and that he doesn't love me and, like there's no good reason for that question except to maybe, maybe to like val like for you to process personally, if you're making the right decisions, but it's kind of a, it really the only thing that matters is, are you going to be faithful now? Mm-hmm. And so um, what is substantial? Uh, I think in the eyes of God as a father to be a child and, and that is broad, but it also, there's all these intersections of decisions that are like, do I read my Bible in the morning? That's, a, that's an intersection of decision of, do I want to read and talk with him? Do I want to be a child? Do I talk to this person who's hurting? Do I generally aim my life at listening to him? Do I generally aim my life at letting people hear his words? Those things, I guess, would be substantial. I could, the, it's probably more practical or, You can do analysis on the outcomes of substantial work, you know, like to, um, the outcomes of substantial work would be people are healed. Mm. People get clarity. People are reconciled so that they can be loved and know that they are loved, not just be loved and not know they're loved for them to be at peace, be as a, as a fruit of content and content contentment or to have the fruit of joy that comes from, um, a satisfying, enjoyable life. Um, and so there's all these fruit that are the outcomes of good work. Uh, Mm. but, but substantial work, um, I think would be one that is, like Jesus says in John five, to do the work that my father is doing. So figuring out what he's doing and getting in on that is probably the only way you can measure now if you're on the right track
0: i just feel like i've noticed lately it all stems out of our view of god like if we view god as untrustworthy Mm -hmm. then we constantly need like if there's any any bit of that where we're like i don't i'm not sure god has my best interest in mind like we're gonna need that constant affirmation like hey am i doing the right like am i go but when you see God as the most trustworthy being, the the person that you can put all of your eggs, per se, in his basket mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. let him fully lead your life and decisions, even in particular moments of speaking to someone, then everything flows out of that place. Everything comes mm-hmm. from this place of this fullness of trust. So you don't have to have... like. I was talking to my buddy I think like last night. I was like self-confidence is demonic. Self-confidence was created by the devil. Like to have self-confidence, that that was that was coined by the devil. Think about it. He decided all of a sudden that he was confident enough in himself to threaten the throne of God. To Make his own decisions, mm-hmm. and now he's just been leading everybody else in that direction since. But yeah. the world worships self-confidence, like with mm-hmm. all the self-help things. But it's literally the the lack of self-confidence that will truly like let you into the blessed life. This 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 kind of frequency in which you walk to to be fully led by the holy spirit in every direction thoughts like what is going through your mind like are you are your thoughts aligned with god is your actions aligned with god Um, so yeah that's tight dude that's tight um
1: there was one thing Uh, something that pops in my mind with all this is i think about this a lot and honestly dude I don't even know if what I'm about to say is right, but I really do feel this a lot. Um, That the idea when when we talk about like trusting God with our, like totally trusting God with our actions. For me, dude, that's just very much more rare than I would like to admit that I am fully trusting God with my my actions in my life. Mm. Which to me, has begged the question, what does God hope for? And what does God expect? Yeah. What is God pleased with? And I'm consistently seeing that my there is this divergence between the reality of God's goodness and my perception of his goodness. And I, I have found a lot of comfort that he is very aware of the divergence and that in his mercy, he holds me near and makes me aware of it and gives me the opportunity to reconcile the divergence hmm.
0: do you think there's a uh, place that we can get to where there is no discrepancy i mean i feel like i've heard like pastor art cats like a guy like that i feel like i don't yeah i've never he's I've never old, heard of that guy but it. i
1: just dude i don't my answer is i genuinely don't know i would be Just not surprised if I was wrong at all. But I, if I'm being honest with myself, Mm. I don't know about art cats or I'm sure there's other people. And there's a lot of people who theorize about the idea of not having to be a center and really knowing your identity and all those things. And I think there's a lot of validity to it. All I know is that, man, I just, it's crazy how consistently I forget mm. that God is really good. And there's a lot of times I remember it in 80% of the places. And then there's this like percent over here, this
0: little compartment
1: that over there though, I don't know
0: it. Mm. And, and. Where do you think that stems from? For me? Yeah.
1: The compartment thing. Yeah. Um, the risk a mixture between like the evidence I've seen of God being good in that particular area plus my inability to contextualize the character of his goodness to multiple compartments. What I mean by that is like God's paid off our debt. Like he literally paid it off and it's a crazy cool story. Right? So let's call that the area of finance. And I've seen evidentially a data point of his goodness, right? So it's easy to believe it there. But then maybe I enter some area of interpersonal relationships and I haven't seen the data point there and my inability to say, he is a provider. He is someone who forgives my debts. Mm. He is someone that is sufficient for me. And so then he will be a provider, a forgiver of debts and sufficient for me in relationships. So I'm saying I'm not contextualizing it well. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Because I'm attributing it, and basically that's when people say God's goodness is a one-off. Even if they don't say that with their mouth, they're saying it with their it's, actions. And by they, I mean me.
0: It's like this and, this area of my life, I've always struggled with trusting God. Versus this yes. area, I just walk in with confidence, and things happen for me every single time.
1: Yep, yep. I mean. yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. And so you'll see people go into praying for people to be healed with tons of confidence but they will go into paying their bills or like considering what to do next with their decisions. You know what I mean? Like they like, and it's just these, it's a, for me, I always find those little areas or these moments where I forget. And
0: so, so how do you think we can grow in that trust to have it, you know, where all areas of our life are fully submitted to the idea that God does have our best interests in mind?
1: I think just, Practicing, practicing, hearing testimonies. So, for example, uh, whether this is right or not, this is how I process through this. Um, faith, Hebrews talks about as confidence. Yes. Right? Confidence in something you haven't seen yet. Yeah. And that's it. To have faith in God is to have confidence that He will, dot, dot, dot. So, a lot of times people think of faith as this like magnitude thing. Right. They don't think of faith as a vector. So it's like an amount and in a particular direction or an amount and with a particular thing. So um, I have confidence that God will pay off my debt. That's a particular thing. Therefore, my actions are dot, 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 dot. Uh, Here's a really easy one. I have confidence in this moment or I don't that God will heal this person's knee. Hmm. Therefore, I go lay my hands on it. I can say I have faith all day, but if I do not go lay my hands on it, the evidence is that there is no confidence that he will do it. Um, You get into questions like, does like broader questions, like, do I have faith that God always wants to heal? And I used to wrestle with that a lot. But then what I realized was I had a lot of stress because I had this confidence or this faith that God could do anything, but... I wasn't doing a lot of things because I didn't know if he will do it though. So God can heal this person's knee, but when it comes down to praying for that person's knee, I have to have this confidence that he will do that. Mm. Um, but this is what's interesting. Jesus says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. And then also in Hebrews, like Hebrews eleven six, six, after the confidence, faith, confidence thing, he says that it, without faith, it's impossible to please God because no one would come to him unless they believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek diligently. And so basically what I had been, um, all that was to say this, like faith to me is this very practical thing that I have confidence that God will do something so that he can and will. So his capability and his interest, and you have to have both, Otherwise, you won't do the thing, and it's not actual faith. And all of that is to say this. Faithfulness is have they earned your faith? It's are they able to fulfill your faith, faithfulness. So I can put my faithfulness into them because they have been faith-filling. Mm-hmm. So all that is to say the way that you increase your faith is to increase the data points in which you see god be faithful
0: yes
1: you put your confidence in him he fulfills it you call him faithful and you remember that you were right in putting your confidence there people mm-hmm. put their confidence in all kinds of things and realize that their confidence was wrongly placed there mm-hmm. and so those things aren't faithful therefore they remove their confidence rightly because it's not that they didn't have faith. It's just that it was an, an inaccurate thing
0: or a time period goes on. They forget, go back to it, realize. Which it's is not- why
1: remembrance is such a big deal, mm. right? You want to hear something freaking crazy, dude? <laughs> Cause faith is to be able to see what is not there, right? So how do you form the concreteness of your mind? And it's in two things, imagination and memory, right? So imagination is your ability, uh, people apply imagination as this this, this like Disney World thing, but imagination is the ability to concrete an image in your mind. Mm. Now the question is, was your imagination valid and worth it? That's a whole thing, but it's an imagination that you can can concrete a future outcome. And by how concrete it is, you can latch to it, faith. Memory reminds you how concrete something was right in your past and then you can drag it to the front of your mind re-see it before it happens attach to it and then act as if Mm. it is can become real Mm. which is fascinating because imagination and memory are the things by which we anticipate the future which is faith (laughs) like what can we put
0: our yeah that's what we were talking about before we started this conversation was this idea of how we try to separate these like philosophical ideas or theological concepts that we find in the Bible from what is actually reality and really it should be the opposite it's just like okay we know the Bible is just describing the reality in which God made uh-huh and uh, and so that's it's interesting that we before we got on air it was it was kind of talking about that and, and you describing it in this form of memory and, and imagination coming together to form this ability to rely on the Holy Spirit fully and be effective as a, a yep. minister of the gospel. Can,
1: pause just one moment. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, cause I just want to be fully engaged with what you just said. I, totally. for whatever reason, my, my, did something go wrong on my thing from your side? No. You're cause I, Oh, what is going on with this? <laughs> Hmm.
0: apparently okay see, you um can't, you can't see anymore or what
1: i know i can see you and i can hear you but my screen just went to something weird yeah and so i can only see you and the screen will only go so big
0: interesting okay
1: well then we'll just do it this way
0: all right, um, boom! All right, let's go. Cool.
1: <laughs> so yeah. sorry about so, that.
0: So, so a, g- a good friend of mine, Josh Hawkins, um, was on the frontier of world missions in Israel, and and was a uh, he. discipled Corey Asbury, and just like um, this was just like little facts to kind of give you an idea of who this guy is. <clears throat> he describes faith as to count as trustworthy. So, and I can only count as trustworthy based upon the trustworthiness of that person. So I'm only counting you as trustworthy if you are trustworthy, (laughs) you know, like if you historically have done things in a trustworthy manner. So it's, you're like, hey, Bailey, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. And then, hey, Bailey, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. Hey, Bailey, I'm going to do this. And then you do it. And then I put my faith in you that you are going to do what you said you're going to do. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Which is why testimony is so powerful, right? Because Mm. here's what's crazy. If you have to put your trust in somebody because they've historically done something, how does the atheist put their confidence in God for the very first time? Mm. And the way that they do it is they hear testimony about who God has been for people, which is It is the story about God. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word and the word about Christ, right? So when you hear these stories, just imagine an infomercial, right? This thing made me lose 75 pounds. And so what you do is you think, even though you've never used it, you think to yourself, well, if it worked for her, maybe it will work for me. Mm. And it reasons you into believing I should give my, I should place my confidence in this and therefore my action. And that's why testimony, reading the Bible, um meditation being around people who are images of god to you setting up things like if i put a kyrgyzstan flag in my in my house it reminds me of all the things that happened there so there's a monument that brings to memory right so you can actually have faith without ever having seen it
0: you just have to believe what you heard Mm. Mm. so let's break that down a little bit like the the non-believer coming into belief Right, yep. and there there is this divine aspect to it of the Holy Spirit, just connecting, like testifying within them on behalf of mm-hmm. uh, behalf of the truth in which you are speaking, and mm-hmm. so that's what I found. Why like being spirit led, not trying to dismantle someone's worldview per se. Like, hey, this is mm-hmm. why you should believe. I, I feel like in a lot of ways theology, and worldview, and philosophy, these things are for, are not for evangelism as much as they are for discipleship, you know, and increasing the confidence that God is who He says He is, right? Like for me, I didn't become a Christian because I understood the historical, like, relevance of Jesus as Messiah and how that all worked, or I didn't become a Christian because I thought through the moral framework of reality and how if there is no, no being to set a moral standard, then there could not be morality at all. Like, that's not the reason I came to, to know Jesus. It's because the Holy Spirit encountered me and I knew he was real, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and then those other things came later, which I love because they've strengthened my faith. They're like, okay, this mm-hmm. is... So after I had decided... Okay, God is real. Now, what are the concrete ways that actually prove that in reality? And mm-hmm. there's a few of them. Like, and this is what I was actually explaining to one of the guys in, in Kyrgyzstan, um, which I've been avoiding saying that, but uh, it's out in the open now. <laughs> I've been saying Central Asia, but Kyrgyzstan's pretty big too. Um, is uh, oh, I've I've totally said that too. <laughs> yeah. Dang it. Is there's um, somewhere over in yeah. way, way west border. Yeah, there's like reasons we there's reasons we believe it says Paul says always be able to give a reason for the hope that you have within, right? So why do you have this hope? Well, I can mm-hmm. give you reasons. Jesus's historical accuracy mm-hmm. uh, and the probability with the eyewitnesses and the probability that he actually was God because of all the people that saw him after he rose from the dead. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's philosophical understandings like morality, right? And how this could not exist without an outside force creating it or it really doesn't exist at all. And Mm -hmm. our whole society just falls. And and that's the fruitfulness of that thinking. That fruitfulness Mm -hmm. of a depraved mind is, Mm -hmm. uh, a mind without God is just destruction. So that is actually a testimony to say, okay, God, it's probably real in that way. And then there's things like personal, like you said, personal experience. Like God speaking to you, literally. God speaking to you. And, and so there's all these reasons, but it seems like for me, what I've been learning recently is it's not the things we think of to say to people that are going to change their mind. It's mm. It's the thing God thinks of to say to them that is going to yeah. grab their heart and say, there's something more for you in this life. <laughs> mm,
1: that's so good, bro. And honestly, I've never thought about how, uh, theolo- like I, I, I learned that theology does not get people to f- come follow Jesus, but I didn't think about it or definitely didn't put it near as clear as when you said that theology is for strengthening, mm-hmm. like, or for discipleship and for strengthening your reasonable faith. Um, that's just really well put, dude. And I'm not. It help. It helps me to align like how I should use it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Because one of the one of the things I want to do with this podcast is, I don't actually believe that this podcast is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Right. I mm-hmm. believe I believe discipleship is what I'm supposed to be doing with my life. I believe pouring into per- my personal relationships and leading young men to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. like that That's what I feel like we should be doing. So one of the things I wanna do is equip people of how to think about discipleship and encourage them to say, hey, you know, actually go knock on your neighbor's door and actually say hi to them. Because, mm-hmm. so one of the things that happened to me was I leave for I'm, yeah, now. No, I leave for I leave for Central Asia, Asia, and I tell my neighbor that I've known for five years at this point uh, where I'm going. He's ex-military, so what he knows about those countries over there is that they hate Americans. That's his experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's really scared for me. He's like, why are you going over there? Plus, you're Christian, right? So it's like, that's more of a reason for them to hate you because he's experienced all different types of right. things in the military that are very impactful, that, that create PTSD in people, as, as the yeah, world yeah. would call it. Yeah. And uh, And so I told him, hey, I'm getting back July 1st. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be ready. I'll, Because he was going to look over my house because we had someone break in a few years back when I was mm-hmm. gone. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to look over the house. I'll double check everything. I forget to tell him that I got back in the country until like 11 days later. Like, it was like July 11th to 12th. I'm so interested in what you're about <laughs> to say happened. And then... I call him or something happened to where he realized I was back home and safe. And bro, like he told, was telling me the story is like, my parents were like, I've never, his parents, cause he lives with his parents, but he's an older, older guy. Like, um, he might be watching this. So, uh, I want to honor the heck yeah, of him because yeah, yeah. he's really cool. Um, and he was, his parents said, I've never seen you this worried about someone. Like, I've never seen you this, like, worried. Why are you pacing back and forth and all of these things? It's be- and then he started to open up mm-hmm. about how he was, like, worried about me and, like, all this stuff. And then that pointed him at God. Something in him that said, okay, this person that had been loving me for the last five years, I was worried about their safety because I loved them. I felt love from them. I felt the love of God from them. They were God in my life in some capacity. They were an yeah. image of Jesus. And he started to ask all these spiritual questions, open up this floodgates of like, hey, yeah, he's like, we need to start talking about God more and talking about the stuff you believe in and, and like all of this. Because he believes in God, he just doesn't want to trust him mm. or submit to his ways. And he knows he knows his, he like is full. I've never met someone so aware of the outcome of the lifestyle and where it's headed that still won't accept it until this, this young college student moves in next door and just talks to you for five years. And I didn't think I was ministering to him. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going, like, I would talk tell, like, if he ad, had questions, he was like, oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when Satan was rebelling against God. <laughs> like, that's what he says. It's super, like, it's, it's interesting thinking, but he's like, I want to know what happened. Yeah. Like, and uh, I'm just, like, basically directing him towards, like, hey, that's not, like, what. Anyway, I'd been just being his friend for, like, five years. And it wasn't until he thought that I might have been kidnapped or died that said, oh, this is real, this is, and opened up. I didn't, but That's I, crazy. Th- the point is I didn't realize that I was ministering to him mm-hmm. by just being there for him and mm. going up and talking to and him. It,
1: and it was, love, it was the love of God or the interaction of you or of God through you that that's what moved his heart to seek in a different way. It wasn't the theology getting right, Cause you're saying like he, he believed in him and yeah, exactly. dude, it's, wild. it's,
0: it's crazy, dude. It's Cause crazy. People like me and you like to think that, oh, if it makes sense, you know, like why it, wouldn't you give your life to God? Right. But that's not actually the majority of people. And that wasn't <laughs> my story either though. Yeah. Right. That wasn't my story either. I,
1: I, I would have told you, and I've said this all the time on paper, there is nothing that can, there's no better idea than God, mm-hmm. than like in Jesus. Nothing, like nothing compares to it in any way, like nothing, but I still struggled and couldn't, I couldn't put my eggs in that basket the same way that, and really this is what it comes down to, which comes down to back to the compartmentalizing stuff, that like, you can totally know that you gotta, that there's a girl right there that could be your girlfriend and you could like them, and they could like you, but you could question their goodness and their sustainable goodness. And it would cause you to believe they exist, you would still want to be with them, and you'd never put your chips in because you're, cause it comes down to the question of their goodness or their character. And that's why it's a relational question. It's a relational issue, not an objective theological issue,
0: Yeah.
1: which is why your love to the dude Your love to the dude started to solve some of those relational struggles.
0: That's tight, dude. So I guess my question is, and and there's so much dynamics to evangelism and Mm. taking someone that does not believe God exists at all and saying, presenting them with the gospel, right? Just sowing seed. And I'm curious to like dive into, and I don't think it's, Really, it's sowing seed, right? It's just, you're, you're telling the good news. You're explaining who God is. So it's really a fight. Honestly, I think what it all comes down to, and I said this before, is it's a fight for the character of God. Because it's, it's not really that most people don't believe God is real. Because most people are like, oh yeah, the universe. You know, I've, the universe, mm-hmm. you know, everything happens for a reason. But they'll give mm-hmm. it these abstract names... But Mm. they're actually talking about God so that there's no relational aspect. So that Mm. there's no... They're not hurting someone when they go against them. And so it's really a fight for the character of the being that creates, you know. People people like systems, and they hate relationships. Mm. Especially in the West. Yeah, dude, systems make you safe. So tell me this. What did you see coming back here to America about the way we live that is so contrary to what we experienced for a month, relationship-wise, how people, worldview-wise. Like, one of the things I saw was, I think we're, like, literally... (laughs) I was about to maybe cuss there. I think we're insane here in America in so many ways. We're so individualistic, and we're so depressed, Mm -hmm. and we, we don't really think like we're individualistic more than any other country and we're more depressed than any other country and we don't quite put the two together we're like i'm gonna worry i do me you do you it's so so weird
1: yeah it's because people aren't objective they're relational Hmm. and like um okay so um something that i saw that was different from when we came back. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, There's definitely more of an individualistic culture. Um, Honestly, this is a thought I had and I think it'll kind of tie them together. What I saw was that people are kind of funneled into the same funnels. Like, for example, America is more individualistic. Kyrgyzstan is more communal. But Bishkek Kyrgyzstan is more individualistic. Mm. You're finding than it is in the rest of Kyrgyzstan.
0: Because they're influenced by
1: American culture. But they're also wealthy enough to do something with it. Mm. Right? Like, when you make two and a half dollars a day, you ain't going to be living on your own. You're going to be splitting rent. That's like making $1,000 a month and living in San Francisco.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like you ain't going to live on your own. And so uh, it's like that. So there's sort of these, there's, I've been, I don't want to get too side note, but I'll put this over here for tease if we want it. I've been reading a book on crowd behavior,
0: yeah. which is
1: really, which is really fascinating. Were you but reading one that of the, there? No. Oh, okay. one, of the point, one of the points, um, one of the points in it is, that when there is a negative uh, sort of stimuli in people's lives, that it forms crowds, that people band together to write um, that equilibrium. So when there's a negative stimuli, the equilibrium's thrown off, right? And there's someone who's advantaged and someone who's disadvantaged. And these people will congregate together to, to outweigh and to begin to write the equilibrium, right? But then once the equilibriums hit, um, then the crowds begin to unform. Okay. And so it's the same way. Like if, if you have bad living circumstances, that's a negative stimuli, you're going to begin to live together and you're also going to fight for at some level, a different type of a pay structure or something like that. So anyways, that's a side note. My point is they're, they're funneled in a sense that they're bound to live together. And in Bishkek where, where more Russians live. I am realizing I'm just saying the names. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Lord, help me. (sighs) Dang it. Um, in Bishkek, because we're there, (laughs) um, in in that place, uh, there's Russians and there's uh, Kyrgyz and the money is more there. And for whatever the reasons are, I'm frustrated myself, um, the, the money is there. And so... the the money to build increases and the comforts increase. And when the comforts increase, you need less people. And when you need less people, you have reason to go pursue your own enterprise. And when you go pursue your own enterprise, people are friction when they're not helping you. And so then you become less relational and then you get worse at relationships and then you start getting bad ideas about relationships. So you want less of it. So you pursue individualism. And so like there's these processes that they admire America maybe, but they also have the means to begin to participate in it. And so my point is Bishkek Mm -hmm. is moving towards what we have that's not beneficial. And I bet if you looked at, if there's somehow with statistics on it, I bet if you looked at the mental illness or you looked at the issues of Bishkek, they would be somewhere between the small towns and, bishkek in america like they would be moving towards us with all the same problems Mm. um so that's one of the things that i noticed was that without the intervention or another variable that is god yeah then people are funneled into the same problems
0: Mm. so that no matter what um, the system is i think
1: so dude because (laughs) because people don't account for the world was made a certain way the world works a certain way. When there's negative stimuli, there is crowds formed. Name a single place that you've seen a crowd formed that hasn't been because of a negative stimuli. Mm. You could call it a charity, but the charity is only there because there's something wrong. And so like, it's, That's it's hilarious
0: because the church grows whenever they're persecuted.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, even like when, yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And here's what's interesting is with the church, there's a spiritual and unending adversary so there's never not a negative stimuli. Mm. So there's a there's never a reason for the crowd to disband, unless you disengage from the mission. Mm. So if you disengage from the mission, of course the church would grow and then begin to, to, to break up, right? They, because what happens is once they becomes equal, then the organization that rose from a minority Holy actually Lord. tries to protect its own order because it likes its life. And so, any creative minority inside of its organization gets squashed. But then they form a crowd, and they come up. So, the, whenever you disengage with a mission, your family breaks up. Mm. So, try to do the church without a mission. It doesn't. It literally will not work. Mm. 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 There was. It wasn't good that Adam was alone. So he got Eve. just wasn't good i mean however you interpret that i'm just saying it wasn't good so we got Eve. eat hmm.
0: so when the church gets comfortable people start to pop up within the church that are then pursuing their interest a hundred yeah that's wild but it But then you have, it's, but it's spiritualized, right? It's, there's all of these uh, terminologies, as some people call it, Christianese. Mm -hmm. This, like, placed over it. Oh, well, we have the good worship and the lighting and everything. Yeah. And that's one of the things I admire about Chi Alpha is, like, as an organization, right? It's, for one, distributed all over to different campuses, so it never really grows into something bigger than the college in which it's at, right? It's imp- it's kind of impossible for that to happen, which is beneficial in some ways, but there's nothing, there's not a ton of funding to it. Like, as far as buildings and material things and all of this stuff, so you don't really ever get to this point where you're comfortable. It's always like, bro, you're, at college campuses helping people move in every year like you have crappy furniture <laughs> like you know you're the the ag has a certain cap to the amount of money you can make so you can't really and you know and if you can not advance your cause in it, that way exactly so it's like and it feels and you look at ag and you're like oh it's one of the largest mission-sending organizations in the world and mm-hmm. It really sees, seems Holy Spirit led that these like little uh, like stop signs, Policy. Yeah, yeah, have been set into place, and it doesn't seem like they happened methodically at all. It just kind of formed that way.
1: But you'll see you'll see AG churches rise and disband, and you'll see Chi Alphas rise and then be nothing and disband. In fact, I just heard of one the other day, but the 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 thing that is interesting is um
0: oh wow i was gonna say oh, just give me five seconds um did you take your b12 today
1: <laughs> what is that like fish or something uh no. is that like omega threes or something uh hold on hold on hold on, hold on. um
0: drink more red bull just man i'm trying bro
1: i i do <laughs> The, none of it's red bull though. um okay so the oh well, I, well i'll just start here maybe it'll spark the thought but like here it is okay you don't you don't see policy issues like do you see more policy issues in a large church or do you see it in a in a
0: church plant policy issues i guess church plant
1: no no like Well,
0: maybe if that's what you see, I shouldn't, I guess, drag the data where I want it. Yeah.
1: What I mean is, like, do you see people getting, like, mad at each other for the way that you example the worship stuff, the way they do worship, the way that they do uh, structure of the service, how they do outreaches and stuff like that? Do you see people frustrated that more in larger churches or in a church plant?
0: It's hard to say because it's It's okay. You don't have to have the same idea. I do. The way that I see it is... In a bigger church, there's a lot more people, because it's less relational. You're less like, hey, I don't know that guy doing worship, right? At our ch- church, we, like, that's my friend up there. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to, like, go around, I oh, don't did you hear how his voice sounded today? You know, like, and talk, yeah, mess, yeah. mess about him. But there's these bigger churches where it just kind of siphons people in as my friend, my friend visited one that, uh, basically characterized people coming into the church as uh what what is the word that he used it was uh uh donation units that's tough yeah and uh that's tough so you got these people that come in and they don't like certain stylistic aspects of an organization that's set up so they jump to another place, and then they find mm. something wrong with that, and then they jump to another place because it's not right. really the church; it's a event and entertainment thing that they go to. They're treating it just like going to the movies, you know? Right.
1: Well, like I mean, and there's like tons of large churches that are that are like insanely effective. Yes. But what the basically the common denominator is are they involved in 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 mission. The joke that I always say is you don't see firefighters arguing over like petty stuff ah. when they're putting out a house fire, right? Because you're, you're on a mission and there's not, um, there's a negative stimuli that you're dealing with that you're, that you've got to write, right? So you're not worried about all the little things. Mm. Um,
0: so we, so we can that, get yeah. over said problem because we have to worry about this. You know, if we don't worry about this, we're all done for the
1: things are tiny the (laughs) things are tiny yeah and so that's when that's what i'm saying is that as things get bigger and the things are righted and you don't feel as much oppression let's just call it oppression you don't feel as much oppression in the world Hmm. because you you're comfortable now right you make you make enough money you do enough this you got enough social this and that that you feel good that's the point that your life is comfortable that now you you start to be aware become aware of Different negative stimuli that affect your different agenda, mm. right? And so then you start to try to write those things, but then, so
0: my point is, I, I just thought it, of something. It's it's yeah. when you're on mission, it's the it's the mission of the kingdom of God coming to earth that is that unifies because that unifies the church globally, because when we all get behind this idea of, that's what the Great Commission's all about, right, is so that Jesus will return and restore everything, right? We're not going to be okay without the Messiah, Jesus Christ, coming back. And in order for to do that, the nations have to be reached with the gospel because he yeah. wishes that nobody would be perished. He's in this long, yeah. state of long-suffering, being patient. Like He hates what's going on right now, you know, in the world. He doesn't like to see all this. Like, it's crazy. But the unification comes behind, okay, we need Jesus to return. Like, I think the founder of Live Dead, Dick, Dick Brogdon, like, literally explains that. Like, we're unified yeah. around this. Like, the Pentecostal missions movement started around this, Jesus needs to come back in our lifetime. Like, he's coming back in our lifetime. We're going to reach the nations in our lifetime. Let's just get there. That's so true. But yeah, it seems like there is things that happen where organizations, I would say, get off track. And yeah. they lose sight of reaching people and they kind of, just, oh, we're going to worry about being eternal internally secure. Just make sure you don't touch anything dirty so that you 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 you're going to go to heaven. It doesn't matter, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And like, honestly, for me, this comes back down to the very beginning of our conversation. Or I can't remember if we were talking about this beforehand or not. Um, but uh, it's that it, it, the ball's back in my court, right? Like, it, it, am I going to believe today what I believed, in, what I said people should believe in a day ago mm. or what I said people should believe 30 days ago or a year ago? Like, am I going to believe today? Because here's an example. We planted this last year, was our first year on campus and God seriously, uh, just very much surprised me on how well it went mm-hmm. and what's interesting we went from let's just call it zero people to like we're probably walking with about 47 but like it like if we um let's just call the group like 35 or 40 or something i don't know um something like that it doesn't really matter the point is is there was this like and the, the people are so substantial now we're going into the summer getting ready for the next year and i can feel things in me dude changing. Mm. At the beginning, like last year, I was like, and I'm stealing something from like Steve Jobs or somebody where he's like, go fast and break things. Right. Like be that creative minority. I don't care what you do. Go set the fires out. Right. And then I feel in a subtle way within myself, these, these sort of like, uh, orders coming up in me that are like, Mm. okay, go fast, break things, but like, don't do that thing over there. And like, go fast, break things, but like, Hey, Hey, like just make how you make sure that you are, you know, and I'm like feeling inside of me, this desire to sort of funnel things. And I think in some ways it's good, but I just need to be very, very, very honest with myself that my, that we're still, that we are going after the fire that's in the house Mm. and that we are being creative and destroying things and that we're going out and we're, we're, uh, Giving uh, authority and ownership and, and encouragement to the people to go and mess up, but do great things. Mm-hmm. Because all those things will sometimes shake the thing that I'm a part of and I don't want it to mess with my thing. Now I don't say that out loud because it sounds dirty, but like that, I, but yeah. yet I'm, I'm acting like that. So I need to take those things that we just talked about, applying them to myself and make sure that I am mission focused and that I'm I'm willing for my thing to break for the mission to be accomplished. Mm. Um, and so, not that there's no order, there is order, and those things are directed by God. But I need to make sure that they are directed by God and not directed by me just protecting my like my thing or something like that. Mm. So uh, those so just like it's, it's like really what, easy.
0: What it's easy to get caught up on like the details of a thing, but what is the first like back to the what is the like a lot of people say, if you're not hearing the voice of God, you you don't hear him telling you the next move. It's like, go back to what he's told you last time and ask yourself, did I yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. So like, if you ignored what God told you last time, it's like, why would he give you a new word? It's like, let's go back to the minimal viable product. What are we supposed to do? We're literally supposed to preach the gospel. We're supposed to share the good news that there is hope to people
1: if we would put our confidence in Jesus yeah that's right yeah yeah and like for myself to never be I have to always do that like I can never remove myself from the mission field like I I've watched some of the most influential people in my life step off the field like in the sense of stop leading a d-group and just start and only lead d-groups of d-group leaders Mm. and their constant feedback to me I'm not saying maybe, maybe it's not like ultimately wrong or objectively wrong but these are people that i look up to and they've all said to me i began to die when i got off the mission Mm. and so these older dudes are going back to leading freshman d groups and they're revived and Mm. so i just that's just another example of it all like i just never want to leave the mission
0: i just think we can we can kind of lose touch with what actually matters when we start to get caught up in this like bigger version of it you know it's like bring it down like jesus like the creator of the universe decided to disciple you know 12 guys or 11 guys and really just pour into three of them like the most like was Mm -hmm. friends with them um Mm -hmm. and like when i think about because i I, i'm i love digital media i love tech and all this i love Mm -hmm. the idea that we can have a conversation and people for ever you know for as long as until Jesus returns can listen to this and be ministered by what is said here like that concept to me is like really fascinating but I knew in my spirit if I would just do this only that without the other thing this means nothing right because you have nothing worth saying yes exactly I'm not actually yeah. living the reality in which I'm speaking. I'm just yep. talking, you know. You'll, you'll tell stories,
1: and like this is the same same thing. What we're just saying, like, if I got off, if I get off the field, and I stop doing the thing I'm talking about, my words will become hollow, and I will try to control everybody who's carrying out the mission that I want them to, and I'll try to control them instead of lead them. And like every, what is it? Like, I mean, I don't know for sure, but like I'm really, this is paper napkin opinion, like I'm kind of spitballing here, but I I would bet there would be the statistics of military leaders or kings that leave the battlefield and aren't the first one in the battle, right? Like look at the production of kings or military leaders that are the first ones into the battle versus the ones who are from a penthouse. Mm. I bet it's like, I mean, for sure, David, right? He was on the battlefield, goes great, gets in the penthouse, does the deal with Bathsheba and it all gets weird. And so- I bet you, yeah,
0: dude, I, I bet you those numbers would be incredible if so you just looked at what, like, Wait, What's the takeaway? Like, we just have to keep grinding? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but grinding, yeah, but like grinding, yeah, but grinding I mean, this is what we're made word.
0: for, like.
1: Yeah, you, it's like grinding's a bad word if it's related to scarcity. Like hmm. if grinding's a bad word if it's related to exhaustion, But grinding is a good word if it is renewing you and if it's renewing the world. Mm. So, I mean, and so, yeah, like, I think it comes back
0: to what we were saying about like, we were made for relationship. We're first for God, relationship with God. And when our relationship with God is pure, we can pour out into personal relationships. And when, you know, it's like, we, without, it says, and it's, the genius of Jesus, right, the two commandments, the, the most important, love God and, and love your neighbor. Love others. Love your brother. Yeah. Love the person right in front of you. Love God first. Without both of those, you, like, I remember this sermon from this pastor in Austin. His name's uh, Griffin, J.D. Griffin he was talking about if you're filled up, but you don't pour out, you blow up. But if you pour out and aren't filled up, you dry up. So either way, it comes back to, we were made for relationship. When you step out and you make it mechanical, is when you die. When you when you're used, you're you're perishing, as the Bible would put it. You're, yeah, yeah, you be, Yeah, you become actually useless. Not you, you, you know, a pe- like a car that's perished, that has perished. You can't drive because it no longer performs the task it was meant to perform. So mm. a person is a creation made for relation, and if it's not, <laughs> if it's not in relationship nice. then it's lost its purpose man that's that's big bro that's the holy spirit <laughs> i
1: oh, was fire i played basketball with a guy like maybe a half of a year ago he like crossed me over pretty bad and i heard him under his breath compliment himself it wasn't even like he was talking trash he like crossed over and i heard him be like oh dang that was a good cross and i was like i like stopped and i was like well you can't do that you're not allowed to like just compliment yourself like that
0: anyways that's what that felt like dude yeah that's crazy you got any insight on that like <laughs> uh because we we're talking on. about we we're talking about like when you step away from leading a small group essentially or discipling mm-hmm. people yeah like, whatever you're doing yeah you become insane kind of
1: yeah well like i mean the one thing that's been coming to my mind a lot recently i've along with the mental illness stuff that i've been feeling like guys told me to look into is the other thing has been work is the other thing that I felt Mm -hmm. like um uh just because yeah just I'll just leave it at that so work uh particularly involved with like careers and like really what work really is is what I'm interested in but how it contextualizes itself in a job and in a career and um, in whatever else. And, um, because college students eventually go on and I want them to be dynamic people for the kingdom where they're at, where they're going. And, um, so anyways, the thing that this has been, what's in my mind and I haven't really refined this. So I don't, yeah. If I refine it, it may be bad, but the thought is this, that work is, um, well, there's like a, there's like a, what's the physics equation for it. It's like work is the, what is it? The movement over time. Here, let me ask Siri. Yeah. What is the equation for work? Oh my goodness. Come on. That should have been just so straightforward. Work a function of It's like energy over time or something. Does that work? Hold on. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Work equals force times second force displacement. Yeah. So uh, work is the force you exert, how far it moves something, okay? Mm. Does that make sense? So the the way that it's been being said in my head is, your work is what God has for you to move in the world. Mm. Okay? So your work is not the technical job you have or the title the work that you're doing. So here's what's so interesting. There's perception and reality. Like people perceive that the work is one thing and then it's unsatisfying, but the reality of work is what do you move in the world? That's why people who seek a lifestyle are almost mm-hmm. never happy, but those who seek a particular impact or to move something in the world will move something in the world and then they'll also be happy a lot of the time. So. Mm-hmm. You can have work that you contextualize in a career, but you also contextualize at Starbucks that you also contextualize at your house and then at a church and so on. And so here's all the things. God made us to work the garden, to work in this world. He he made us to move actual things, to to affect creative change on things in this world, Mm -hmm. and that the initial problem was that we were supposed to work with him and work like him. But we tried to work like we thought we should work. So we gardened, but we gardened alone. Mm. Right? And so we started to destroy the garden that he had a prescription for. And then we started to destroy the larger garden. And anyways, so that that kind of thing we were made to work and that you work for 6 days and then you rest. You can't have Sabbath unless you work. Like Otherwise you just get that cabin fever thing. Right. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, so all that's to say is this, as far as being on the mission, if we stop working, we stop living. Mm. If we stop working, we remove ourselves from the design that God made to have abundant life. If we stop working, we destroy the world. And so that for me as a, as a missionary, and not just as a missionary, as a technical job, this is the thing. When people ask me why I do what I do, my answer is this. I, I feel like God has made me to move people near to him and to change the world. And I think the best avenue is through this exponential discipleship And I think one of the most strategic points is on the college campus. And I don't think anyone can actually change the world sustainably and explosively and in a real way that matters, except for through Jesus. And that's why I do it this way. I don't, I didn't choose the career because the career seemed nice. I knew what my work was and it was the best way I could contextualize it. Mm. And so, so whenever, if I'm a missionary and I stop leading a small group, I stop the work God's called me to, unless he tells me the works become different or there's a new way to apply it. But that's the work that God has made me for, mm. and really, probably all of us. But it contextualizes different. But anyways, so th- those are my takeaways. It's like you got to stay on it because you got to work. Mm. You can't have the, you can't have rest until you work. I feel so. like
0: all of these little things are kind of just descriptors of what, of what is happening in reality when we take the throne for ourselves. That's like, a really good way to say it even the disruption of the you know the church you know you're talking about when these power structures happen it all comes back to the original sin that happened which was mm-hmm. lack of trust in God and wanting to be your own God mm-hmm. and I, I really the more that I walk with the Lord the more it's just like so much clearer that it's as simple as that trust and humility trust and love not trying to glorify yourself because it's when man tries to set themselves in the place of glory that everything falls because they're not worthy of it they die because of it because mm-hmm. it's too much for them to bear yep <laughs> until Jesus grants it to them by creating a glorified body for them. And he's actually yeah. on the throne, but we're co-rulers, you know, with yeah. him. So it's it's placing God on the throne that actually makes us a ruler, not placing us on the throne. It, it's placing ourselves on the throne that makes us a dictator, that makes us a, a conqueror in a sense, a, de- a destroyer. That's when we mm-hmm. place ourselves on the throne, but when we place Jesus on the throne, he places us next to him. It's so weird, right? It's like humility is the path to glory, in a sense. You know, it's like yeah. Why does that, you know? But it it's because it's our human nature. I don't even say human nature, but it's our it's our um, it's just us wanting to be our own god that takes us from the. It's you know the devil knows what he's doing, right? I think he, he's told us the biggest lie ever, which is, hey, if you want to become your own God, just become it. Because that's what he tried and he failed at it. And now he just wants to jack everything up because he's done it himself. You know, I don't know. I mean, so he tells us, yeah. hey, all you got to do is do it yourself straightforward. It makes sense. It's right there for the taking. He did the same thing to Jesus. He said, hey, just right now, I'm the prince of this world right now. You know, I'm the king. Your father gave it to me for this time. All you got to do is bow down to me and you can have all this right now. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to humble yourself. You can be who you actually are, which is a God, which is God which is the ruler of this. See all these cities right here? All you got to do is, is bow down to me and uh, you can have it all right now. You you're meant for it anyway. That's the same thing with us. We're actually meant to be rulers. We're meant to have our own crown. God says God's going to give us a crown. And we're going to take it off our heads cuz we we're, we're going to be like, "God, like why?" You know, like, well, "I'm not worth, you know, you It all comes back to the beginning. And it's kind of... It's all about what we're saying too because it's like when you get to the base root of like what takes us off the path of like actually being effective for the kingdom, it's getting too big into the, the ideas and less to the fundamental where does it begin? Loving God and loving others. Actually just meeting people, having a burden for the lost and introducing them to Jesus. It's as simple as that. When we get into... Oh, we need the lighting. We need this. We need that. That's when we get away from it. When we get into the big theological concepts of what, like, it's fractal-like. When you look at fractals, when you look at large things, it's really just a bunch of small things. But the large thing is actually the small thing in the sense of when you break things down into details, all you're really doing is describing the simple answer. In more complex ways. it's God is yeah. co- both complex and simple simultaneously. But what he wants us to do is just, hey, this most simplest thing to do and the thing that actually gives you life is just trust me. Just trust me. Just walk with me. Just know me. And when you know me, everything's going to work out. Everything's gonna. Everything's going to just... All those details that you were so obsessed with that you thought... If I just get all of these details right, that, that I'm going to have this huge impact. When, when you just know me, like I'm going to work out those details. I can fill the gaps like this. But I want you. I don't want you what you can do. I don't want you to be a... a uh, I don't want what you can do for me. I can do that for myself. I want you. And I want to grant you with the gift of doing things through you. i love that
1: yeah i love it i think that's it dude
0: i like it you're the man bro so what is what is this year gonna look like you want to prophesy a little bit you (laughs) want (laughs) to proclaim some things what is this year gonna Um, look like for the i can
1: tell you i can tell you the some of the things that it's not been that many things, but that God has kind of, one thing that he spoke to me that was really clear before we went to Kyrgyzstan was that, um, that last year was the year of John's baptism, but that this year would be the year of Jesus's baptism. And that like struck me, which is a baptism of fire. And the thing, and you know, you know, Hearing that or knowing that doesn't really matter, except for that if God is going to carry that out, you know, I can't. So it's just, I guess what I would say is that sounds really cool and really interesting. Don't know how that's going to happen. Don't know what that's going to look like. But I also didn't know that last year was going to be a year of John's baptism until he told <laughs> us afterwards, you know? Yeah. So, but it truly was. And it was really cool. So I think your Jesus baptism, baptism by fire or and by, baptism in fire. Um, that what I'm speculating, I'm thinking that this is what it is and somewhat feel like it might be Mm. is that it's going to be a baptism in a fire for the mission and that the mission is going to be too much for the students and that it will lead them to need and be required to call on God for the power it takes to to do those things, which I think is going to lead them to like a lot of them, or some of them, a lot of them will potentially be baptized in the Holy Spirit,
0: yeah.
1: Um, because God is going to be doing that in them. Um, uh, maybe not, but also most likely. Um, and so that's going to be interesting, and to see the effects of that baptism, because uh, I we've seen it in a couple student. And it's it's so it's just so dramatic. Like it's so drastic the difference and um i'm just excited for our students for that um so i think that that's going to probably lead into this year i don't know dude i feel i really don't know on this but i i feel like there's a decent chance that there's going to be a substantial amount of students that are going to be touched again this year Um, but it will be on a if i'm correct i think it's going to be on a larger scale Mm -hmm. since we're starting with a lot more people than last year which was zero Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited for that. That could be really cool and to see what God does, but also what that looks like. I, I really don't know. And, um, I just feel confident that God will do dot, 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 and I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, I feel from the Lord, part of the stuff he's been doing in me is that I generally talk a lot. And I feel like he's moving me into talk less and do more. Um, so I, I don't really want to speculate exactly on what will happen, but I just feel this confidence to be, to just rest assured that God is going to do something really cool and fun to be a part of. Um, yeah. Amen. And so that's one, and then. I feel this desire in heart that for whatever reason, this is just my heart that 15 plus people will uh, want to go on a project trip or a mission trip this summer. Um, I just desire that they experience that yeah. with God and um, together. So, and I think it's also going to be really messy. I think our students are <laughs> going to get like really challenged and that, there's going to be some really hard things and, um, there's also going to be some really cool things. And it, it might even be a thing that in the first semester that, the uh, yeah, I, I'll just leave it there. Like it, it may be an exponential growth as we go through the year. Um, but then some things like the inheritance of father of childhood to fatherhood is something that seems like God might be wanting to impart to our students that there's going to be a, uh, the mixture between the child's heart to a father, that's going to be coupled with the baptism of the Holy spirit, which is really what keeps that rooted down in like identity. Identity is going to be a big thing. Um, And again, what does practically play out dude? Like I have no idea, but (laughs) I think it's going to be, it's going to be tight. So yeah, that's, those are the main, main things. There's probably some other things, but those are, I'm, 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 I'm nervous about the first day of school. That's in two days. We have a leadership training tomorrow,
0: and that's going to be tight. But oh, for real? Y'all's is sooner than ours. Like, well, school starts on school. the 16th. Okay. Yeah.
1: And I'm nervous, like pregame nervous. I'm nervous every year before we start. Um, but if I go at it, it's going to be cool. So,
0: Dude. Well, this was awesome. Thank you, bro. I, I just feel like we could talk about so many more little things. And so I'm sure – we'll do this again sometime and i i would love to bro it's super fun i hope uh you end up doing a podcast as well like y'all have been talking about shout out to to woody and dan the, the two two men of god right there and all that but bro thanks for coming on and and uh yeah so this was amazing this was fun thanks bro yeah I love you dude thanks for letting too, me do bro. it and this is cool cool well i'm gonna tell everybody bye so Thank you guys for watching uh, this podcast. And if you want to see more interviews like this, leave a comment uh, if you liked it and like this video as well. But we will see you guys next time.